Chris Hennessy and Mike Calamari back here on One on One, New York's longest-running sports call-in show, and it is a pleasure to introduce one of the all-time great NFL players, a four-time Super Bowl champion as a player and added two more in the front office of his Pittsburgh Steelers, named the 13th greatest player of all time on the NFL's top 100 list, number one overall pick in 1969, the Hall of Famer, Mean Joe Green. Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for taking the time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I want to start by asking about why you're with us today, which is the Gridiron Greats Assistance Fund and the natural, National Pork Rind Appreciation Day, which is on Super Bowl Sunday. Would you mind explaining to our listeners just the great work that Mike Ditka's Gridiron Greats Fund does for NFL alumni like yourself? Oh, yes, for sure. Um, you know, they found uh, uh, something that was not being addressed, and that was taking care of, of the needs of some of the the players that were responsible for uh, the National Football League uh, uh, having the success that it's having. Um, they provide uh, uh, health care needs, funds for health care needs, funds for, for housing, funds for just about anything that, uh, that you could need on this living on this planet Earth as a human. human. And, you know, I've, I've known some of those guys that have um, fell on some hard times and when Mike Ditka and, and uh, Gridiron Grace have come along and and really give them a, given us a, a lifeline. So it's, it's wonderful that, uh, that Mike and, 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 and some, some other uh, football players joined him uh, uh, to, to, to meet this need that wasn't being addressed. Hey, Joe, thanks so much for joining us again. What do you find uh, about Pork Rind Appreciation Day to be so special, and, and what does it mean for you to play a role in the day? Oh, you know, um, oftentimes, you know, you just don't know what you can, you, you see what you can, can contribute uh, to, to our society, but you don't know quite how to get it done and you need help. And, and that's, that's what uh, one of the things that Mike Ditka and Gridiron uh, Grace have done for me, they've given me an avenue to to give back a little bit, and it's not a, it's not a heavy lifting. Uh, you know, I, just, I go to some of the meetings, and I've been to some of the awards uh, luncheons, I mean dinners, and uh, you know, as as a, a recognizable face, having played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, that can generate a, a little bit of it excitement for the Gridiron Greats Fund. So that's that's kind of what I do is lend my lend my name and services in a very, very small way. But I found out that it's helpful and that's a good thing. What do you consider to be the greatest accomplishment of your laundry list of them from your career? What do you what are you most proud of? Oh um Having been a part of of the Pittsburgh Steelers um, and having them giving me an opportunity to to grow in the in the business and to make a 
uh, a living wage that I could uh, support my my family, and that's been able to support my family and 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 be a part of a positive situation where um, you know you can enjoy going to work every day for most of the time, and and you can get out of out of that experience of. of Four world championships. You know that's that's not saying a whole lot when you think about. It. I had thirteen opportunities. Well, I don't know if I had thirteen opportunities, but I played for thirteen years, and some of those years weren't real opportunities. But to to win it in, in four and thirteen, uh, I don't know what percentage that is, but I'd like to have gotten six or seven, and I know that would have been over five hundred. <laughs> So um, the accomplishments would, would be the, you know, the, the Bradshaws that I played with, uh, Franco Harris, Mel Blount, um, J.T. Thomas, John Stallworth, uh, Donnie Shell, Mike Webster, you know, all of those guys, uh, Mike Wagner. Oh, Glenn Edwards. It's, it's so many, so many names that uh, and guys that I played with. Uh, Jerry Mullins, Moon Mullins. I played across from him in practice for ten years, and uh, he helped make me better, and I think I helped make him better. Uh, and you know, Moon was one of those guys that did a fantastic job on the offensive line, along with John Cobb, we came in together and, you know, you don't really notice, know those names, but they were guys that were under the radar in terms of name recognition, but in terms of what they did, uh, I don't know if we could have gotten four world championships without them. So just to be in that team and see all of those guys and, 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 and form those human relationships. That's the special treat, the journey that we had. Uh, uh, that was that was really really special. And knowing how difficult it is to win in the National Football League, and everybody expects you to do well when you start to do well, and they expect you to do poorly. Well, we're doing poorly, you know, so it's uh it was a challenge for sure and and to to be in the company of the the Roonies and and Chuck Noll, all of that was just a wonderful experience when I told it all together. Joe, there have been a lot of good Steelers defenses over the years. How do you think some of the Steelers defenses of recent memory Maybe a team like the 2008 Steelers that featured guys like Troy Polamalu, James Harrison. How do you think those defenses stack up against the Steel Curtain? Well, you know, it's um, they did what they had to had to do when they had to do it, and that's that's the that's the measuring stick. Can you do what you need to do when you're called upon to do it? And they did, and that's kind of what we had the opportunity to do, and we met. We met that challenge. So the comparisons are that they brought the attitude 
very similar to to the way we did. And there were several players on on that twenty eight on that two thousand eighteen that could have played that I felt could have played with, with us. Just like I think some of our guys could have played with them. So those are the only comparisons that I can make. Uh the one that's that's that that's tangible is the attitude in which we went about doing our doing our business. And they were the same. Mike mentioned the the more recent Steelers. Certainly, the great defensive lineman wearing the uh, black and yellow now is T.J. Watt. Hey, 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 hey! Black and gold. Black and gold. My apologies. Thank Bla- you. Black and gold. Yes. There's an so. What do you see from T.J. Watt and J.J. Watt? Not on the Steelers, but also a great defensive lineman that make them so great at your position. Well, uh, this is has. Over the last 20 years, the National Football League has made the rules such that uh, it's a passing game. And in order to, to slow the passing game down and, and diminish some of their success, you have to go where it starts. That's the, that is the quarterback. And if you don't pressure the quarterback, it's going to be very, very difficult to stop him from completing passes to the wide receivers Downfield, who in this day and league, they are most of them are wide open. Uh, not because of the, the lack of talent in the secondary, but it's it's uh, you can't contact them, you can't hit them, you can't get your hands on them, and that's a very difficult charge for these guys out there that trying to cover the these wide receivers and the tight ends going down the middle of the of the field. You know, if they catch the ball, where are you going to hit them? Where are you going to hit them? You can't hit them below the knee. You can't hit them below the shoulder, above the shoulders. And most of these guys are 240, 250 pounds running full speed at a, at a guy that's maybe 205 pounds. So you need a pass rush. All of that was being said so that you need a pass rush. So the quarterback can't get the ball out of his hand. And there's another dilemma there. Where do you hit the quarterback? <laughs> First of all, you can't hit him too hard. You can't hit him above his his shoulders, and you can't hit him below his waist. So where can you hit him? So to have a, a, a guy with the, with the length and the speed and the athleticism of uh, Mr. Watt, you need somebody like that uh, to put pressure on the quarterback. And you also need a guy in the middle like we have, um, the big number 97, that's pushing the pocket so the quarterback can't step up. And then that makes it a little easier for the guys running around uh, the edge to to sack the quarterback. So it's a corporate effort of me. With the outside rushes and the the guys in the middle, and TJ does a, a wonderful job. He puts a lot of pressure on the on the passing game. Yeah, Joe, you you just touched on it a bit. A lot of the newer officiating rules that go against defensive players. Do you think it gives too big of an advantage to offensive players in today's NFL? Well, uh, it's it's changing the game. 
we can watch any football game and we don't see any tackling. That's, that's using the tops of the pads. That's, that was the language that we used when I was saying, use the top of your pads and bring your feet. You see guys leaving their feet because they're reaching out trying to hug the runners, the ball carriers, because they're afraid of getting a penalty with their, when you go with your, your pads, your helmet's going to come in there some kind of way. Or you're going to hit the guy too hard. So it's it's very difficult. It's a lot of thought that is going in to trying to make a tackle today. Now I was listening to some guy got his ankle hurt this past week, broken, for the Raiders. And it was being explained. It was like, a, a, what do you call that, when they grab him on the neck and pull him down and fall on the back of their leg? Horse collar? Uh, horse collar, yeah. Well, this guy grabbed him around his chest like he was going to hug him, and he was falling off of him, and he kept holding, and he fell on the back of his legs, and that's how he got it broken because the guy was trying to look like he was trying to hug him and kiss him. That's what all this, that's what tackling has come to in the National Football League. The guys want to go up and hug him because they're afraid to put a pad on them for, for fear of a penalty. That's what's happening with our game today. The interpretation of the rules are changing the game that, that we love. And why do we love it? Because it's action and it's contact. Not contact to Maine, but that's what we want to get to is contact because we want to hear that sound. Pad and pad and that's uh that's something that I think that the, the interpretation of the rules are changing the game. And that's a bad thing because eventually we're not gonna be playing football anymore and that's gonna hurt everything. Everyone knows you, Joe, because of the greatness on the field, of course, but you're also in one of the more iconic commercials of all time, the the Hey Kid Catch Coca-Cola commercial. When you were filming it, did you have any idea it would be prevalent and iconic all these years later? Oh, absolutely not. I had no idea. Um, I was I was just glad to be able that I could get up there and do it and not think <laughs> and, you know, and embarrass myself because I had I had absolutely no experience at talking in front of the camera or doing what what they call in the business acting. So it was very it was it was traumatic for me to do that. And uh, I must admit, uh, a lot of the people around um, were extras. There were people that were in New York. They were they were on soap operas, and they just told me. Just be myself. Don't worry about it. Just, just act. Just do what you do. And the director was a, was a great asset to me. So when we got it all done, um, all I could say was that was done. <laughs> and you know, when I first saw the commercial, I said, "My goodness, how did how did they manipulate that?" Because <laughs> it it was it was it was touching, and I enjoyed. it watching it and obviously uh, uh it, it has stood the test of time 
probably because of the kid, the contrast of the kid and the big gigantic football player, the little kid and the gigantic <laughs> football player needing needing help from the kid. So that was that that probably was the best, big selling point, uh, and the star of the show was no doubt the bottle of Coke. <laughs> You know, Joe, this season the Steelers, you know, they faced a mix of struggles. They've had some big wins throughout the season, but they've also had some losses. They currently sit at third in the AFC North. Is there something you've seen in this team that's maybe held them back this season from being a top-of-the-line team, you know, in the AFC? Well, you know, um, every team that I was on, well, the, the championship teams, the good teams that I was on, it was a building process over the course of the year, the season. Uh, wins and losses don't always tell you how good you are, how good you can become. But I saw and I felt that we were getting better with what we were doing as we played the season. And hopefully um, that's what is happening now with the Steelers. They started off with um, new offensive coordinator, new offensive line coach, an entirely new offensive line, and a, and a very gifted running back um, that needed some help. And I think that as as the season season has rolled along, we're starting to see them mature a little bit. Um, so it's, there's hope. Um, in my view, I still, you know, people are calling for Ben Roethlisberger's, uh, to, to step down and let somebody else move in his spot. Well, who the hell is going to do that? Is, are they on the team? Are they playing for some college now? And Ben is still the guy that can put the ball where he wants to put it when he wants to put it, if he's given ample time. He just doesn't run around the way he used to. And, well, I don't see Brady being very fleet of foot. I mean, you, you can throw out, uh, make excuses for any anything that you don't like. And I don't think anybody should have the short memory of when we didn't have a a guy at the at the at the quarterback position and how badly how badly that looked. So be happy be happy. Be happy that we have had Mr. Roethlisberger for the years that we've had him and hopefully we can have him for a few more. But he said he somebody said he was retiring. And that's uh, that would be a disappointment for me, but because uh, I still think he's the guy. We're going to get you out of here with this one. It's the same question. I was fortunate enough to ask Ken Houston a few weeks back when he came in with the uh, pork rind appreciation day. Mike and I are from uh, the north. We know nothing about pork rinds. You're a proud Texan, so tell us what makes a great pork rind. Oh, that it's when you when you take it out of the bag. 
and you put it in your mouth and you get that that crunch, that crispy crunch and the flavor. However, it's they we get we get them in in, in many flavors, but that crunch, it's like uh, it's it, for those that have haven't had pork rinds. Think in terms of ha- having the best strip of bacon that you've ever had. That is the closest you can come to having a pork rind, but it's prob- it's drier and a lot more crispy than the bacon and you know you can they can add a flavor into it and usually it's it's hot sauce how about that it's southern so we add hot sauce to it and they can put flavoring in in all of the pork rinds so it's a it's a treat and it's not fattening how about that sounds sounds delicious to be perfectly frank thanks so much for joining us today joe we really do appreciate it have a nice day thank you thank you so much